Welcome to the Beers and Ears podcast. Here are your hosts, Casey Woolley and Matthew Brown. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Beers and Ears podcast. My name is Casey, and right about now is when you would usually hear my partner, Matt, chime in and say, this is Matt. However, Matt is not with us today. He's got some personal stuff going on that he's taking care of. And so today I have invited somebody who has been part of my life now going on seven years. It's hard to believe that we've been friends that long. Um, You've actually heard me mention him on the pod several different times. He's been to Disney World with uh, my partner Nate and I, uh, along with our friend of the pod, Amy. I've known him for, uh, like I said, seven years. Uh, We were on a bowling league together, and I consider him a very good friend in my life. I'd like to welcome Mr. Shaddy Betis. Shaddy, how you doing? I'm doing all right, considering the world situation. How are you doing, Casey? (laughs) I'm good. You know, it's funny. I I can't, I don't even know the last time I saw you. I want to say the last time we actually saw one another would have been um, at the Christmas party that I, or or the, the Halloween party that we had at my house almost a year and a half ago. I think that was the last time that that we actually saw each other in person. Would that be right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, like, you know, obviously with a party, you had to pay attention to a lot of people. You actually came to visit me in the city like a year before. I think yeah. that's when we had one-on-one time. <laughs> that's right. I, th- I think um, my mom was in town and I think we, we visited with my mom. And then I think once before that, I was also in the city and we came to visit. So it's been one of those things where I've known Shaddy. Like I said, we, we bowled together for, for a couple of years on a, on a um, LGBT bowling league and, and we've just been really good friends. We, we've discovered that we have a mutual love for a lot of geeky dorky things. You're a huge star Trek fan. Uh, I'm not quite there. Uh, I'm more of a star Wars guy, but we both have a mutual love for Disney. And so I think before we get started, Shaddy, I, I just, I always like to ask our guests on the show. And in this case, my, my, my uh, guest podcast host, um, how did you get into Disney? Like, where did your love and your your fandom and your nerdum for Disney kind of start? I mean, when I was a very young child, my parents introduced us to all of the VHSs for all of you <laughs> who mm-hmm. remember VHS tapes. And we used to have like those plastic clamshell DVD special Disney collector's edition ones in the house. Uh-huh. And so I would watch those until I managed to wear out the tapes. <laughs> <laughs> Back in the days when you could wear out media. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and I just, you know, became obsessed. I was, I really loved like the Lion King, uh, Little Mermaid, Beauty and yep. the Beast, kind of still a hand drawn animation. That's my love period. And my favorite Disney movie is actually uh, Sleeping Beauty because Maleficent, the original. <laughs> You, you and Amy both have a have a love for for Maleficent. We were we were talking about that on the last uh, Disney Games challenge we had. I, it was one of the questions that came up, and um, yeah, Sleeping Beauty. I watched for the first time. I want to say about a year ago or so. I had never seen it before. I, mean, I obviously knew all about it, and um, you know we we've talked about it. But yeah, I, I so it sounds to me like you've got to love you know take away Sleeping Beauty. But it sounds to me like you grew up in the Renaissance era, like most millennials or the late Gen Xers in your case. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, uh, I'm technically a millennial, barely. For some reason, what what year were you born? 1981. So just barely. Oh yeah, you're right there. For some reason, I thought you were 80. So I I popped you into the Gen Xer. So you're like a very early Gen Y millennial. So that would make sense. You grew up with the, with the, um, 
you know, with the Renaissance era, like we did. And, and that's actually the mo- one of the movies we're going to be discussing today, Hercules, or the movie we're going to be discussing today is the eighth of that Renaissance era uh, in terms of Disney movies. It has hand-drawn animation. It also has a little bit of computer animation in it. I, I, I found it as I was researching this. But for those of you, you've probably heard me talk about Shaddy on the pod a couple of times. He, like I said, he's been to Disney World with us a couple of times. Now, I can't remember. When we went the first time, was that your first time at World, or had you been before? I mean, it was very technically my second time. The first one, I participated in the music days That's i was right. there for band. band we drove for six, 26 and a half hours in a bus with no breaks other than rest stops and stayed like to eight people to our room and you know we didn't get to do much until the last day we got about a half day at disney and then like a quarter day in another part of animal yeah. kingdom which was my first time at animal kingdom it was it was fun for me obviously but when you have literally one day to do everything and have an yep. organized group activity with chaperones you don't really get to see the stuff you want to see Absolutely. so i consider my first time to be the first time i went with you all yeah it was so much fun we we it was it was uh myself my my partner nate shaddy and of course amy who you've heard on the pod several times and, and we say that i believe it was port Orleans, uh french quarter and and it was so much fun one of my absolute fondest memories of you shaddy is that picture that moment you met tigger that that that, that at the i believe it was at the 1600 park fair breakfast and he was bouncing around and, and it, i i think it's still on your facebook but i i know i it comes up on my feed every every year and just the the pure joy in your face meeting your your childhood like favorite character and he's got the tigger mickey mouse ears on and and he's just it's just one of my absolute favorite memories of you well for me it was big because um you know we didn't have a lot of means growing up so we didn't really have the money for vacations when i got Mm -hmm. old enough and could actually pay for vacations or you know some of my family members could do it i really tried to take advantage of every moment and that was such a special memory to me because tigger you know yeah absolutely I, I remember it. I just, I remember it so fondly. And it just, that, that whole trip was just such a fun, fun trip. And I just, it was so cool. So, but that's Disney for you. I mean, and, and we've talked about that a number of times on this pod that it doesn't matter how old you are. When, when you step into the world of Disney in whatever capacity, whether it's through the movies, through the Disney store, um, through, through the parks, obviously it, 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 you become a kid and, and you, and there's, Oh, that's okay. If you're a kid at heart and you're able to let go, you know, I remember one of the very last times I went to Disney this last time at the time before, I think it was when I went with my family, my dad said to me, says, don't be afraid to be a kid. I'm like, you don't got to tell me that. Like I, I, I tell people that like, don't be afraid. Don't, don't be, don't grow up while you're down there. Just let, let all that other stuff, you know, slide away. So being a picture like before when I met, when I met you, I was still doing biochem research and like and mm-hmm. my professional career now is in IT. It's just it's nice to have that escape from logic and procedure and just be a kid again. Absolutely. Hundred percent. So today we're gonna step into um the the magical world of of Disney animation. This has been something Matt and I have been talking about for a while. I think we planned Hercules uh as as one of our deep dive episodes um probably back in the fall we were actually going to originally make it as kind of a filler episode which for those of you who don't know what that is a filler episode is it was going to kind of be an evergreen show in the event that we could not record a regular show we could just pop it in for a week 
Um, and we just kept pushing it back because we had so much content. Now that we've gone down to a one episode a week schedule, um, we wanted to get it in there because it is a it is a fun movie. Um, for those of you who don't know, it is. Uh, let me see here. I'm, I, I just had this it, again. It's the eighth movie in the um, Renaissance era of of Disney movies. I'm trying to figure out here. Doesn't say it on this one. Oh, 35th. It's the 35th Disney animated feature. Um, uh, in, in, so Disney classifies all of its different movies, whether it's Pixar, what studio made it. This is the 35th one made by Disney animated feature films released in 1997. It was produced, um, by, uh, it was produced by Alice Dewey, Ron Clements and John Musker. If those names sound familiar, Clements and Musker, they're the ones who actually produced Aladdin. Uh, and there's a lot of fun that kind of goes into, um, a lot of fun stories that go into the creation of this. They, they were actually working on Treasure Planet at the time, coming off their success of Aladdin. And Disney basically said to them, well, we're not going to let you do Treasure Planet. We want you to do something else first. And then this was one of the possibilities that came up and they, they picked it up and, and ran with it. So up front, let's just kind of do out of the way first, like, you know, overall, like feelings on the movie. I mean, this is a movie that you have seen before, obviously. I've seen before, so and and I know Matt loves this movie. Um, I come to this a little bit differently than you. So for me, you know, it's never been one of my favorite movies. I can't say that I'm against it. I can't say I don't like it. It's just one I've always been neutral on. Uh, and I've seen it a couple times. And every time I've ever watched it, it's always just been kind of a neutral movie. Like I can have it on in the background and do something instead of really focusing in on it. Um, what about you? I, I heard this is, from what I can tell, this is one of your favorites. I don't know if it's like top favorite, but it's just like, it's the level below that. Because okay. I mean, I, I have part Greek ancestry, so it was nice to have that little bit of background in there. Because we didn't really have a movie that had that. I mean, although what we can say, though, calling it Hercules is not actually Greek. It's the Roman yes. <laughs> Romanization. Yep. Heracles yes, yes. is the Greek. <laughs> I did come so, across that when I was doing some research. I was like, oh, interesting. Yeah, I was and I enjoyed it. Like some, you know, it had a mix of reality. But as far as reality, as far as reality for any mythology can be. <laughs> and in a adaptation to make it more family friendly and in minor story changes. So, yeah. I grew up with a lot of mythology and reading a lot of it. So it was fun for me to analyze and see the similarities and differences between the movie and the mythology. Well, it's funny you say that too, because in, in researching for the pod today, this is the first um, Disney movie. It may be the, at the time, the, the only actually, but this was the first time a Disney uh, animated movie steered away from a fairy tale and moved into the Greek mythology or just mythology in general. So it was the first, it was kind of new territory for Disney. And like you just said, Shaddy, um, they steered, even though it was based off of mythology, they took a lot of liberties with, with the actual, <laughs> with the actual like accuracy of what they put into this. I I'm not as big of a mythology, uh, uh, historian or, you know, researcher or somebody who, who reads a lot of mythology, but I did take in my, when I was in high school, I did take a, a mythology class that stuck with me with one of my, um, teachers, Heather, uh, Heather cook. Uh, and, and, and I remember, studying um hercules i remember studying odysseus i remember studying uh the 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 uh, is it the parthenon the parthenon you know and 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 is that what's called yeah the parthenon or panthenon what's it called 
the, the Greek. I'm not sure what you're talking about. The gods are the pantheon. <laughs> the pantheon. Thank you. I remember studying. See, this is what I'm saying. It's literally been 20 years since I studied this stuff. Okay. Uh, but that said, I, I, I that is one of the reasons why I think as we kind of get into the movie itself, I think one of the reasons why I have been so neutral on the movie was because I felt like the movie could have been so much better. Like, I, I feel like they did okay, but there could have been so much more because there is so much rich story that they can tell. Uh, and maybe I'm asking for something much bigger than they can fit into a movie itself. But I think that's, you know, kind of starting things off. That's one of the reasons why I feel maybe let down is the right phrase for this movie does that make sense what i'm trying to say it does and you know if i'm gonna be perfectly honest the first time i saw the movie i was slightly annoyed because when i was much younger it really mattered to me accuracy mm-hmm. <laughs> and like you said there was a lot of adult content that we can't go into here <laughs> that <laughs> involved hercules mm-hmm. but then not just that there are like minor inaccuracies like the number of muses being five instead of either three or nine depending if you talk which source you'd go through hmm. or just you know the entire storyline not making sense of pegasus and <laughs> mm-hmm. and phil being thrown in and then a lot of timeline things where they would mention myths being contemporary <laughs> that were vastly apart well and even even just hercules himself how he got his demigod status right i mean in mm-hmm. the original myth from from what i was reading i mean it has to do with the fact that zeus had an affair and a very adulterous affair which then made hercules a demigod i i can well, see and- why that would be problematic for a disney movie uh right I mean, you know? especially since the affair includes zeus was, was pretended to be that woman's husband uh-huh. <laughs> and she had no idea that you <laughs> some sources say she has no idea some sources say that she knew and it's, that's how she got away with it and so it's up near regardless though i mean if you think about it from just a for just from a disney perspective i can see why they would say eh, we're gonna steer <laughs> away from that a little bit you know i and- think having Hera trying to kill him all of this movie <laughs> would have been counterproductive <laughs> Um, so, okay. So now that we kind of gotten all of that out of the way in terms of like general feelings about the movie and, and, um, just kind of where we come from, you know, whenever we have a movie review, Matt and I like to kind of go through, I think it's like five segments. We usually like to talk about what were some of our favorite parts, what were some of our least favorite parts, favorite characters, least favorite characters, and then finally any other comments or, or thoughts about the movie. So I think it's good for us just to kind of jump in and, and let's just start, you know, we, we watched the movie again. I watched it this afternoon before the, or this morning, actually, before we recorded, just looking at the movie overall, what is, what are some of your favorite parts? Kind of my favorite part is going to sound weird, but they were the fates. Because okay. <laughs> for me, that was the most accurate depiction and hilarious depiction of the three. Okay. The I from one sister to the other it was awesome because just it just made for good comedic relief uh-huh. at the same time that it was also slightly horrifying to a kid maybe yeah like literally a screen cut kills you right right seriously i felt the same way I, I i was like wow what an interesting way to cut the string and that's like the depiction of somebody dying and and i mean i i agree with you the fates were, were fun and the fates have cropped up they they crop up in a lot of other material too. Nate and I are rewatching um, Once Upon a Time right now, which is uh, an episode that Matt and I are going to be doing in the future here in the next couple of months. 
And, um, you know, the fates make an appearance there and they've made an appearance in other shows that we've watched. I think they made an appearance or a version of them. I don't know if I want to, I don't think they were called the fates in this, but there's a show out there called Merlin. And I want to say a, a, a very similar type of, um, character makes an appearance there so i agree with you it was a very good depiction again just the cutting the string though that that especially when they go to cut his string and it and it's gold and, and it's glowing like yeah. hey, this isn't working what's wrong with these scissors like that was just it's good comic relief i i agree with you there ladies i am so sorry that i'm late we knew you would be we know everything post present and future indoor plumbing it's gonna be big. Great, great. Anyway, see, ladies, I was at this party and I lost track Wait, of you. I know, you know. Um, I think oh, yeah. one of my favorite parts. Um, again, I went to the movie trying to have a very open mind uh, to be ready for this pod. I'll tell you, this has got one of the best openings of a Disney movie. I love the opening. I, I love, first of all, that is Charlton Heston uh, doing a cameo uh, in the opening uh, when it first starts, like when he when they open the movie up. So that's, that's him. And then it kind of goes away from that and the muses start and say, like, look, come on, you're, you're, you're making this stale. You're making this boring. And then, boom, it hits you with the music. And and I even watching it today, I got goosebumps watching that intro going, okay, okay, I think I can get into this. I'm, I'm really enjoying this. And and I started to realize that it's the first third of the movie that I I really do enjoy the first third of the movie. I mean, up until the point when when um, Hercules gets cast down and the farmers find him and and everything, all that that all that I love every single moment of that. Like when they're up on Mount Olympus, when Hades comes to vi visit, you realize he gives them a sucker with spikes on it. <laughs> like like <laughs> I don't know. I just to me the first third is it, to me is a is a very good first sort of the movie and then we'll talk about the, the rest of it but that that to me i think the opening really sets a good tone long ago in the faraway land of ancient greece there was a golden age of powerful gods and extraordinary heroes and the greatest and strongest of all these heroes was the mighty hercules but what is the measure of a true hero now that is what our story is about. listen to him He's making this story sound like some Greek tragedy. Lighten up, dude. We'll take it from here, darling. You go, girl. Oh, yeah, and my favorite part about the first three is that even though it's not quote-unquote accurate for mythology, it's still said, it's still told in a vein of mythology. Like, you could believe that this was a myth mythological story that would have fit the Greek or Roman pantheon of mm -hmm. the end any writers would have put it in so i think that's why that first third's so strong yeah i agree with you 100 percent. any other favorite parts on your end so one of my favorite part is just that when scar is actually the lion that he's holding <laughs> when he's posing for the pottery <laughs> right <laughs> this is pelt it's a very distinct lion it's very it's very distinctly scar you can definitely tell it's scar I, I think that's hilarious that's one of those things that when you start getting into the bowels of the internet we start to see how every Disney movie is connected. That's one of the ones they call out to. Um, actually, interesting fact. I was looking up some just interesting facts about Hercules. And um, even though it's kind of unofficial, technically, I guess, Hercules and Ariel are, are cousins. If you think about it in terms of um, 
uh, King Triton is kind of supposed to be a version yeah. of Poseidon, and Poseidon and Zeus are supposed to be brothers, right? So uh, the, apparently, very unofficially, Ariel and Hercules are cousins in that regard, which I, I, I found that was really interesting. And I can see why they might say that. So, and and did you know that Hercules was actually made kind of as a almost kind of a an answer to um, Hunchback in Notre Dame? Hunchback, I guess received a lot of, of flack for being too adult oriented. So they tried to turn around and make Hercules much more of a lighthearted comedy um, because yeah. Hunchback was so like just full with adult content. Yeah. I think it also made people think about racism, which is a very like Hunchback in Rotterdam is. Mm-hmm. And that's a really tough topic that people maybe were not ready to talk about in the early nineties. I don't necessarily know if they're necessarily ready to talk about it now in the 2020s, <laughs> Ready? Come on. I mean, I mean the yes. world that we're living in right now, it's, it's scary <laughs> stuff right now. And um, I'm, I'm glad to see that a lot of this stuff has come to the forefront, but it's sad. The reason why it's come to the forefront, but that's a, a podcast for another another episode for another podcast that's not this one right now but um okay any other parts of the movie that you liked otherwise we're going to move into maybe some parts that we didn't like even though again not accurate but i did love the titans when they were released just uh oh yeah we get like a, a villain villain that feels like something awesome and these giants yeah really wasn't what was told before as being these huge giants and things it was really cool I mean, I, I don't know. I like monsters. If I'm wrong, the Titans, they weren't like elementals in like mythology, oh. right? Okay. For whatever reason, I'm sitting there watching this going, what is this avatar? Like I'm waiting for them to air bend and water bend. And fire. <laughs> I'm like, what the heck am I oh. watching here? I, Cause that's what it felt like. It felt like they were elementals. Like, like what the heck is this all about? Or Spider-Man far from home. I was kind of laughing. They were literally <laughs> The forefathers and foremothers of the original of the Greek pantheon. That's okay. That's that's what I thought. I'm like, wait a second here. So, and I I do believe in the original mythology. Zeus does Zeus in 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 the pantheon do defeat the Titans, right? Correct. Actually, with the help of Hades. That's okay. That's kind of what I thought. And, and okay. And then of course, like, and that was part of the things that frustrated me about the movie was like, okay, so they, Hades brings him back, and like all these gods have this huge trouble disposing of them. And then Hercules, who's not even a God, he's just, he's a demigod. He comes back and then they're able to dispose of him. Like it it didn't make, like it didn't make any sense to me that that whole closing of, of the battle where Zeus literally is unable to, to do anything until Hercules comes along. It felt really weird to me. That was one of the things that I was not a fan of is it just, it was, it, it, the, the the I felt like the ending, there was all this build up to what Hades was going to do, and it just felt like there wasn't, it didn't pay off very well, you know. Oh, I can understand that. I mean, it's it's frustrating when you have the knowledge of the mythology. Sometimes you just kind of have to put it aside to enjoy the movie in parts. I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah, especially I know I don't know if we're talking about the unfavored parts now. Sure, but... go ahead. Yeah. One of my unfavorite parts is the depiction of Hades throughout, because that is not what Hades is like at all in my head. Because just because he's God of the underworld, he's the God of both the good, quote unquote, mm-hmm. and bad souls. Mm-hmm. There's no like, it's not a bad role to have. I mean, it's not a desirable one to be pre- presiding over a necropolis, basically. Yep, <laughs> but, yep. Yeah. Um. 
okay, so let's talk about Hades for a second because <laughs> I feel like I'm one of the only ones who's about who believes what I'm about ready to say. I don't like James Woods' depiction. I, I don't like James Woods, and I <laughs> I think one of the reasons why this movie has always been upsetting to me is I I find Hades and James Woods' portrayal of him just absolutely absolutely obnoxious like it ruins the movie for me like we're watching it today and it's like well that's what hades is supposed to be i'm like no no why did he have to be like that I, am i do you like james wood's portrayal of him or or am i off base here you're not off base i won't say that because james wood plays controversial characters sometimes and mm. What ended up happening in this movie is something that happened later on in history with the retelling of the Greek and Roman tales of engineering the story to be more of like a good versus evil where the gods of Olympus were favored and Hades was kind of converted into like, let's view that as Satan. Let's view Zeus more of a mm, god <laughs> standpoint. And so James Wood was playing what he thought from he should play it as from a Judean Christian interpretation of Greek mythology. At least that's what I think, I think that <laughs> being not sense. a historian yeah. at all. <laughs> that, I, I, you know, and as I was reading up on this, um, they, they were looking to cast, when they were trying to cast Hades, the first person they actually went to was Jack Nicholson to play him. Mm -hmm. And and the original intent was Hades was going to be this very slow methodical character think claude frollo even to some degree very much like talks very slowly and you know puts his fingers together kind of a mix between frollo and probably jafar i would imagine would probably be a good way to think about him and they they offered this to jack nicholson and jack nicholson they were going to give him five hundred thousand dollars to do the movie and jack nicholson came back and said absolutely not i want anywhere between 10 to 15 million dollars and 55 zero percent of all of the Hades merchandise sales. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and so they came back with the counter offer and Jack Nicholson said, no, um, turns out that they actually did recordings with Jonathan Lithgow, uh, Lith, 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 Litho, Litho, uh, for a little bit. And, and I guess it went on for eight or nine months and they determined it just didn't work. And then so they started auditioning more people. And when James Woods came on, his take was completely different. Like you said, it was this it was this fast paced interpretation and he was talking really fast. And and, you know, he, he was this really like menacing kind of like used car salesman type character. And that's what got him the role. And, and, I, and apparently he's been quoted as saying that's his favorite role of all time that he's played. But I just, to me, maybe I'm just not a James Wood fan, and because of that, it carries over into this movie. I just find there are moments, like the, 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 the scene when he's with Mag Megara, and he goes, uh, you know, he's talking about Meg, my sweet, and he really enunciates the sweet part. It's just uber annoying and, like, over-the-top acting, and it ruins it, takes me out of the movie. For me, like, when he does that, it's... It adds to the creepiness because it's like it's kind of meeting her as a woman with mm -hmm. that like my sweet and like um putting her down a bit for her choice to go ahead and sell her, <laughs> herself yeah. to him yeah. basically. I think just like what it does, what James Wood did was give us a a trope, a, a trope that's been done a lot of times that maybe some of us are tired of. <laughs> yeah, that's the villain. 
it's funny you say trope too because i think this movie uses a such a common trope of just misunderstanding you know how many times in a disney movie or any movie for that matter has it been where the hero believes one thing and then he's told something else even though that something else is not true and then it's a big misunderstanding and it creates the conflict in the middle of the movie like to me like that's what happened here it's like you know meg meg you know started off kind of just being this neutral character and then she plays a little bit of the villain and then she backs off of that but then she's told then hercules is told that yeah she's actually the you know a bad guy and herc doesn't want to believe it and then finds out that she is but she's really not anymore like it's like that it's a that's a played out trope in my mind too i think too i do think there's a little more nuance with megara meg because you find out later that she's actually a little bit lovable because you find out how she sold the soul mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. save her lover at the time she wanted to make sure that that person didn't die and then that person ran off and kind of abandoned her and yep. she had no choice to serve Hades. So apparently the actress who plays Meg um, it, uh, plays or played at the time Belle in the uh, Broadway musical of Beauty and the Beast and mm-hmm. um, the the producer, I think Ashman, I think it's Ashman, uh, didn't want her to play that part because he, she he he knew that Meg was going to be a little bit more of kind of a spunky, you know, like kick button take names kind of female character, and 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 he's like, Belle's not like that, and and you're gonna you know you're gonna ruin you're gonna ruin my actress for me, but uh, yeah, I agree with you. I think it's funny, Meg. She is she is um a very beloved uh, character in the Disney fan community. Uh, Back when I was still at the Disney store, we used to release these collector's edition dolls and they were the masquerade dolls. Well, the series two of the masquerade dolls were a female characters that you wouldn't necessarily think about. Like the first series was the here princesses. I think the second series was of the villains. The third series were these kind of other female characters, including Megara and um uh uh i think esmeralda was in there as well and there were a couple other ones those two sold out instantaneously there was so much pent-up demand for meg merchandise so she's she's definitely a beloved um uh female character in the disney mix yeah and i like it because she's not a typical disney female character Mm -hmm. she's not necessarily damsel in distress she actually uses damsel in distress to get Mm -hmm. what she needs but you aren't you a damsel in distress i'm a damsel i'm in distress i can handle this have a nice day yeah so she's a little bit i mean while she's not an idealized female humor heroine like in brave we have this is still was a step up for disney for me Mm -hmm. absolutely and think that's pretty huge given that this was mid to late 90s still right i mean if you think about this is 24 years old and you know disney i I really want to say like the first we talked about this when we reviewed little mermaid little mermaid ariel was probably the start of dipping the toe in the water for disney of trying to figure out a way of i'm not waiting for my prince to come find me i'm gonna go try to find my happiness and even though it was still tropey with the prince and all that stuff i get that it was the start of disney starting to realize like female empowerment because then when you look at jasmine same thing when you look at bell same thing right like it, it it's i'm going to start trying to find my happiness on my terms not the terms of 
of of the other the other way around, right? And as we've gone along, here we are in you know 2021. You look at you know Frozen and Elsa. You know that's kind of as far as we've gotten so far. I haven't seen Raya yet. That's the next one I want to look at. But it's going to be really yeah. interesting to see. You know, Moana is probably the closest to where we're at right now, where she's like, "Look, I'm going to go and live my life the way I want to live my life." So I'm with you yeah. on that. I mean, like one of the important parts with Frozen that you bring up is just we have the primary protagonist, <laughs> Elsa, not depending on a man at all, mm-hmm. and it's a very like it's a stark departure from yeah. someone who is of marriageable age or someone who is more interested in romance rather than other ones not being tied to a man and actually yeah. a ruler of a small kingdom. Well, and there, and there's, there's, you know, there's thoughts out there at some point that if they do end up doing any kind of a frozen three, that Elsa could have a love interest, but it could be a, a same, a same gender love interest. It could be a female love interest that when that finally happens with Disney, that will be finally when Disney breaks free and says, you know what, look, we're able to make this, we're able to, to showcase and make this work f- to show that anybody can find happiness. And um, I mean, I was just watching today. I'm hoping we get to do a show on this, but I'm watching the new Mighty Ducks Game Changers on Disney Plus. The I don't know if you've seen it's a TV show based on Mighty Ducks. And just just casually, like, no, it was they didn't make a big deal about one of the main characters got two moms. And it was just like, there it is. Like, you know, Disney is kind of starting to really push itself into the the fact that, look, this is reality and we need to start showcasing that. And I think when you look at all these movies, you know, not to get too far down a tangent, you know, Meg plays a critical role in the progress that Disney has made through the years. Yeah, I think one of the things I would really love is to see a Disney movie centered in the ancient kingdom of Mali in West Africa and finally have a princess that gets elevated to a ruler who's of color Mm -hmm. and specifically someone of African descent being a princess, a full on princess. Mm -hmm. Princess Mm -hmm. and the frog, of course had something, but um, she shows the restaurant life. Yeah. She really wasn't a princess so much. Yeah. That'd be awesome. She shows happiness. That was good. Obviously. Yeah. I'm wondering, I'm curious to see what happens. Um, with Black Panther too, I know it's not Disney, but it's Disney-ish. I am really curious to see if they elevate Shuri to that role um, of of ruler of Wakanda. Um, I, I would love, I would love to be able to see that. I, I think that she could, you know, really be a positive representation in that regard. Any other parts of the of the movie that rubbed you the wrong way? Huh? Like, I guess I'm just thinking like really, really bad parts, and like nothing that like absolutely hated. Mm-hmm. Except my my big thing was that some of the things with Greek mythology got a little wrong. Um, oh, of course, the labors, how they were depicted. <laughs> like, all the labors were depicted as, like, trials of Hades, to, or, like, or Hades trying to stop Hercules in some way or another. Mm-hmm. And it was just weird to me. It didn't fit the plot, like, of in my head of how it should work. Mm-hmm. But that's just one thing that just stuck with me. Well, they, I did like that. Like afterwards, like they made one of the labors, the stables, sound like a favor once Hercules became a hero. And mm-hmm. His face when he had to talk about cleaning out the stables. Like, well, I, I think I think you're right. I think you know when you look at, I think once they made the choice, here's what I think it was. I think they made the choice to to define Hercules as a demigod different than what the mythology says. And once they made that singular choice, they were able to say, okay, we're not handcuffed by what the actual mythology is anymore. We can, we can get away with, with kind of 
you know, branch, branching further and further away from it. And I think that's probably why they did what they did. And I, I think this is one of those things. And this goes back to just my initial eh, neutral reaction to the movie is that again, being a student of, you know, 97, I would have, um, I wouldn't have even seen this in 97. I was, I was in the non Disney phase at that point. I probably would have seen this in college. I would imagine, which would have been right after, which would have been right after, you know, high school of, you know, my senior year doing the, doing the, um, the, the mythology course. And I probably would have had a little bit of a chip on my shoulder going, well, this isn't really like this at all. This is, you know, I would have been like, eh. and because of that, I've always just had this negative feeling towards it. Um, I, I do feel that there's some rich material available for Disney. If they ever wanted to revisit mythology, they could do it really well. Like Disney could tell really good stories based in, in, in Greek mythology and do it well to the point that you could do it in such a way that, you know, mythology teachers all around the country could even use it in their classes if they wanted to, you know? And the best part is because of Disney's expansion heavily in the last 20 years, they could tell a more mature theme now, mm-hmm. especially like, I mean, the labors of Hercules are penance for him murdering people yeah. <laughs> like by, by mistake each time, obviously in a fit of rage. But it's something that could actually be explored in the modern Disney universe, especially with Marvel. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk characters for a second. I mean, we've covered obviously Hades at this point. We've covered Meg. Um, you know, we we've covered uh, you know Zeus to some degree. D- d- did you have any standout favorite characters? Take take away the the fact that it's not historically accurate or mythologically accurate, right? And let's just talk the movie itself. Were there any standout characters for you that you just like? I love that character. It was a great character. I think there's one character that everyone can love no matter what, and that would be Phil. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> brings that special je ne sais quoi to yeah. any character he does. Yeah. It's basically his character in Taxi over and over again, but we all love it. Well, especially when he goes, I'm walking here. Like that was, that just made me laugh. I, I was like, oh, what a good part. No, I agree. Phil's a good part. I, I, I love that Phil, which is short for um, what, Thelonious, I think it is, or. or I can't remember. Yeah, but I just I think that I think that's fun. I personally love Zeus. It, it, not so much that I love Zeus. I love the fact that Zed from Men in Black is voicing Zeus. Like, that, that just, like I hear his voice. I'm going, that's Zed. Like, that's totally Zed. And that would have been around the time that Men in Black came out too. So, like, he clearly was on a roll with some movies. And then, did you catch Wayne Knight's kind of part in there? Um, uh, he's the guy who's got all the no. jars. Yeah. So Wayne Knight plays the guy who's got all the jars that gets credited. Yes. And I was like, oh my god, dude from Jurassic Park. Like, that, that's exactly what. I was <laughs> I always love to do that with the with the characters to go. Who am I hearing? Who who's the, who's uh, the uh, actor? Yeah, uh, 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 I didn't say the magic word. Uh, uh, uh. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Uh, one more, one more circle back to like Phil though. Like what I really appreciated about him was that Disney didn't change the character of a satyr that much. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. still had the, the nymphs <laughs> hanging around him. Mm-hmm. You had him flirt with Meg right when he first met her. Yep, yep. <laughs> it was really hilarious to me. <laughs> what do you think of um, Pain and Panic? Oh, I love them. They're just like a typical like comic relief duet yep. that Disney has visited multiple times, like Timon and Pumbaa. Yep. Just, 
I, I um, love when he's wearing uh, when he's wearing the Air Herc sandals. I just think that's just such a <laughs> just a funny way to to make fun of modern times too. So oh, and, uh, don't forget the plastic cup and the straw, right? <laughs> right. You know, he, I, and you're wearing his merchandise. And Hades blows his top. I can't believe this guy. I throw everything I've got at him, and it doesn't even. What are those? Um, I don't know. I, I thought they looked kind of dashing. I've got 24 hours to get rid of this bozo. Well, the entire scheme I've been setting up for 18 years goes up in smoke, and you are wearing his merchandise! Oh my god. I could imagine James Wood doing that in real life to someone. <laughs> there's a whole um there's a whole uh episode arc. I think it's either Family Guy. I think it's Family Guy where James Wood comes in and is it Family Guy? Is it a Family Guy or American Dad? Where he comes in, he plays the villain on Family Guy for several episodes and, and even I think he even comes in and takes over as the father at one point. To, uh, well, they go to James Wood, uh, Woods High School. Yeah, don't they? yeah, they do, and then they <laughs> changed it to. Um, they finally changed it to uh, uh, um, the the gentleman who played Batman, whose name is escaping me at the moment. High school, but yeah, but yeah. Anyway, um, all right. Any other uh, thoughts? Uh, final comments? Uh, just anything else you want to mention on Hercules before we begin to wrap up the show? I think we've done a pretty good job in covering most of it. I mean, I do there's only so much we can do in a podcast. Absolutely. Uh, we could spend hours going through this. Yeah, yeah, we could have taken a huge deep dive into it. So so I think the overall consensus yeah. here is is it's one of those movies that you can watch. You gotta suspend you gotta suspend any penchant for you know, I want this to be historically, you know, I use that word lately, you know, mythologically accurate. It's not going to be. It's not something you're going to show your your high school mythology class to show them how Hercules actually did what he did. But if it's something if you're looking for just comedy and something to put on for 90 minutes, I, I think it's it's worth it. I think, you know, people sometimes call it an underrated movie. In fact, I think you even used that phrase when you first mentioned you were going to be on the pod. Do you really feel it's underrated? I think so. It doesn't seem to be something that we see in the parks very much or yeah. Disney merchandising, recycling. Like We see Beauty and the Beast, Lion King, maintaining merchandise, maintaining their presence in Disney. Yeah. We don't really see um, the Hercules showing up in merch, and yeah. that's the biggest thing. Like, merch is a thing that continues kids to fall in love with characters. Animated series reboots continues to make new generations of kids fall in love with old characters. Mm-hmm. This is just something that's kind of uh, I know we don't really have a vault vault anymore <laughs> with Disney Plus, but yeah. it just feels like it's been left in the vault. And I love the story of a kind of geeky, awkward, rejected guy who comes out to be a hero. Yeah. Well, you know, we t- we mentioned the fact that this was part of the the Renaissance era. So the the, the Renaissance era encompasses starting with the Little Mermaid then moves to the Rescuers Down Under and then Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin and the Lion King, Pocahontas, Hunchback of Notre Dame, and then Hercules, and then wraps up with Mulan and Tarzan. So this was the latter part of that Renaissance era. You know, I would argue, and you even said this in your intro, you know, the first part of the the, the Renaissance era, Little Mermaid, 
Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Lion King. Those four, I think in a lot of millennials' minds, form the core of that renaissance movement and and the other ones are there you know pocahontas and 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 hunchback hunchbacks i don't even want to talk about hunchback hunchback's one of those (laughs) niche movie but you know pocahontas you know hercules is coming off of the is coming off of the 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 kind of the coattails of of hunchback which was not necessarily well received mulan is you know it, it won a lot of awards for its music but historically it's it's not it's a mess um and then tarzan i think kind yeah. of wrapped up that era really well so i think you're right i think hercules kind of gets shoved in 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 kind of the corner here with these other movies and and i think it's the victim of the fact that four of the movies that came before it were just really good movies and i mean how you can, mm-hmm. how do you top how do you top aladdin how do you top lion king how do you how do you cop, top beauty and the beast how do you top little marine those and like you said, when I, when I name those four, they've got prevalence in the park, uh, especially Aladdin and, and Lion King and Beauty and the Beast has the most prevalence in the park out of all of them. Easily. You know, and and so I think you're right. And it, it makes me wonder if, if they had a chance to redo it somehow. Could they? Would they? Would they want to? Um, would they soft reboot it? You know, Disney doesn't, you know, will they ever make a, a live action Hercules? You know, they, honestly, they they may not need to do a Hercules. There's a giant library of myths from the Greek pantheon and the Roman pantheon, okay. and just the storytelling traditions of both that they can just go in any direction and find something that hasn't been told yet quite yeah. easily. I'd love to see like a Disney Plus series of the the pantheon and and the different the different stories out of that. I'd love to see. Um, I think they could do a really good Disney Plus series. It doesn't even be a movie. Make it a Disney Plus series. Make each one kind of its own serialized miniseries or whatever. You know, like yeah. I, we, could feature, we could even feature like the, the minor gods and goddesses that we don't really get to hear about because yeah. they could really whatever story they want yep. based on the very. Did you ever see? Um, did you ever see Percy Jackson in the Olympians? No. I, I have you ever heard of it? I have not. I'm okay, so it's a live action series um, movie that came out probably within the last 10 years, I think there's two or three actual movies and it's called Percy Jackson and the Olympians. And it's about, um, it's about this kid who is a child. He's a child of the, the, the gods in, in like modern times. It's actually pretty good. They do a I mean, it's again, not historically accurate. I say historically, but mythologically <laughs> accurate. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's actually really, really good. Um, if you're, if you're a huge fan of mythology, you might actually enjoy that. So, I am indeed. All right. Well, that said, Shaddy, thank you for being on the show. Did you have fun? A lot of things. Yeah. It's an honor and a joy. Well, we appreciate it. And and Matt appreciates you fill, filling in. And you are officially, we can call you a friend of the pod because you've been on the show, which is great. Um, we're going to go ahead and it's closing time. So if you want to get a hold of us, you can do that by finding us on Facebook at Beers and Ears Podcast. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Beers Ears 1928. Or you can email us at Beers and Ears 1928 at gmail.com. 
Um, if you're not already subscribing to the show, please do. That's how we uh, get more get noticed more among people who don't know the show. Uh, if you haven't shared the show with friends, please take some time. We've got you know over at this point we're like 130 plus episodes uh, in the last year, ranging from Disney parks to movies to uh, trivia and everything in between Marvel, Star Wars, um, pretty much any 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 flavor that you have for Disney, Marvel, Star Wars. Uh, or Pixar, we've got something for you. So please share with the friends in your life who are fans of that. Um, we're going to go ahead and raise our glasses. This episode has been on us. Have a wonderful rest of your day, everybody. Thank you, Shaddy. Cheers.